This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. When I think about a vine, the image that comes to mind is that of a plant in a garden, like a zucchini plant, where the, uh, the leaves and the vine and the vegetation kind of weave in and out of everything that's there. I think of the same way of God in my life, not just in one part of my life, but in, in everything, in all aspects. I know His love and His mercy is there in the good times when I feel joy, being with friends or with family, and especially being with my five-year-old granddaughter. I also know His love and His presence are there during difficult times, such as when I went through the death of my husband a few years ago. I, I felt His mercy and I felt His compassion, and, and I knew He was strengthening me as things were were difficult to deal with. Another thing about a vine is that the leaves and the vegetation cannot live outside of the vine itself. And just as I can't live without God, I try to to stay connected by uh, prayer and worship, which are important to know who He is and, and how to honor Him and also through Sunday school and small groups where I learn more and can grow my, my relationship. Christ has always been the vine to me. I'm Cheryl Mall, and I'm following Jesus. Good morning. Welcome. It's sunny outside. It's beautiful. The snow is melting. And it's a, it's a great time to be alive, isn't it? Um, I really appreciate Cheryl's words on the screen about the imagery that she had in her mind about the vine. And not only do I appreciate Cheryl's words, but I also appreciate um, the impact that groups have and the impact that that when you meet with other people, you hear different perspectives about how they read Scripture, how Scripture uh, brings ideas and is played out in their life. I uh, never would have thought about the vine being something like a plant growing in the garden. But I love that imagery, and especially thinking about spring and thinking about the snow melting and all that, it's just a a great encouragement to me to think about getting out into the garden. Um, As Cheryl shared her perspective on the vine, I I brought a vine with me today to share with you. This is a vine. Now, it looks like a stick, right? Or it looks like a twig. But this is a vine that was growing at, at, uh, at our house, and that I have been actually fighting vines like this for the last three years. When we moved into our house, we found that there were a number of trees that were present, and some of them were were good trees, healthy trees. Other trees just needed to be cleared out. And a number of our trees are having a struggle because they face the weight and really the, uh, uh, the encumbrance of a vine like this that grows up beside of them. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was out in an area of our, of our place, and I was clearing some of the, the brush, and we were trimming things down, and I saw the young shoots of young vines. And when they start young, they're just small, and they're very flexible. You can bend them. In fact, we had a whole bunch of them growing up in, into some cherry trees, into the tops of cherry trees, and they weren't to, to the point of being developed like this. And I could just pull them. I pulled them out of the top of the tree. Because I know that if they stay in the top of the tree like that, the tree will become simply a carrier. And the vine will get stronger and stronger and it will overcome. And, and the tree will never eventually become what it's meant to be. 
the vine, that kind of vine, now isn't, it's not like a grapevine that produces grapes, that produces things that you can really get excited about. But thinking about that vine and thinking about the words of Jesus when he says, I am the vine, and putting it within that fabric between trees that are strong and healthy and are meant to be gorgeous with great big tops and covered in leaves and then thinking about this vine that looks at the moment like it's weak but yet it grows and it grows and it grows and then suddenly it becomes strong became a very contrasting picture in my own heart in in my own mind and as I turn to the pages of John to hear the story of Jesus talk about I am the vine my father is the vine dresser I suddenly began to have the picture of the strong trees and the weak but growing strong vine come into my mind. And I'd like to sort of share some of those ruminations with you as we look at this text that the Apostle John writes about. Before we start reading the text, let me just tell you this. That this text is situated in a certain space in time. Uh, Oftentimes when we read a, a passage of Scripture, We don't always get the full context of where it's at, but the context of this passage is incredibly important. You see, in in the last part of the Gospel of John, almost all of it are in a few last days when Jesus is with his disciples before his crucifixion and then after his resurrection. In John 13, we hear about Jesus and his disciples going into an upper room. And in the upper room, a lot of things happen in that place. One of the things that happens is Jesus will take a basin and pour water into it, and he'll take a towel, and he'll wash his disciples' feet. Another thing that happens in that place is he has what we typically call the Last Supper. That will take place uh, in in that space. Some other things happen there, like um, uh, he'll talk to them about the presence of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is going to be sent from the Father, and the Holy Spirit is going to be a part of their lives. And then at a moment, at a very crucial moment, Jesus says, it's time for us to go. And so Jesus and the disciples get up from that spot, and actually Judas is left beforehand. He's left before this. And they begin to take a journey from the upper room out into the garden where Jesus will pray and where Jesus will be arrested. And as they go along that pathway from the upper room to the garden, they pass a gate like this, the temple gate. And the temple gate has around it and over it and and covering it, it's got vines. Now it's a gate that the disciples and Jesus have walked by thousands of times. They've seen this gate. And that gate is, is rather new and it's resplendent, so it looks gorgeous and it's glorious. But the gate is supposed to be a symbol to all who would enter in of who Israel is and what this place of the temple is like. It is... uh, It's very symbolic, almost like a flag would be symbolic to us and to others. But this gate, this symbol, is supposed to recall in the minds of the people who walk by it that Israel is called in Psalm 80, the vine of God. And there's a story that goes behind the the idea that Israel is the vine of God. It goes back into the story when God scooped Israel up when it was in Egypt. And it talks about As Israel was in Egypt, it was a a tender vine, a a very young shoot, and it was carried 
And it was taken over to this place where it was planted in Palestine. And God protected it, and he watered it, and he cared for it. And the vine, which was very tender and small, grew into something that was big, and it was bold, and it spread out. In fact, the psalmist talks about how there's something glorious about this vine that spreads throughout the world, and it carried God's blessing throughout the world. So the vine that is tender and small is something that grows, and it becomes strong, and it carries blessing. But Israel wouldn't always carry blessing. And so Isaiah talks about the vine being something that God has to prune and trim, and he prunes it back. So when the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem, there's great analogy that comes back into the hearts and minds of of people who are there, and they put the vine upon the door to remind themselves, to remind one another that God cares for us. God has overseen us. God protects us, in it, and we're the vine. In fact, they would go almost to another extreme instead of saying we're, we're protected by God, that we are the only ones, and you have to get to God by coming in through these doors. That's how you get to God. And so it's past a door like that that Jesus walks, going from the upper room to the garden. And Jesus looks at that imagery, And then he looks at his disciples and he says this, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. Jesus says, you are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. I want to focus in on those words, I am the true vine, for just a moment. Jesus is really drawing a contrast between the things that are happening within the life of Jerusalem in that moment and himself. He's drawing a contrast between the rabbis and the rabbi. He has walked among his friends and his disciples for, for three years, and he's, he's talked to them about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. He's talked to them about what really matters to God And he knows that in the next few hours, everything he said is going to be questioned in their mind because Jesus is going to be placed on trial. And things are going to be said about him that he's never said. And the disciples are going to be in the arena, right? They're going to be watching it. They're going to be hearing these things. And in their hearts and in their minds, they're going to face a question, a dilemma. Who is the one who conveys the truth? Who's the one who connects us to God? Who's the one who who gives us the way of life? The dilemma that the disciples face is a dilemma that we all at some point face. It's a dilemma that we all have to sort of unpack somewhere along the way in our lives. Like, who tells us the truth? Who's conveying truth to us? How do I know that I'm on the path that leads to life and to God? Where is their truth? Well, um, I want to share a couple pictures with you this morning. uh, Because all of us have to figure out truth, right, along the way. Uh, A number of you know that Pastor Bob is is a Cardinal fan to the max. Loves the St. Louis Cardinals. In fact, whenever anybody um, joins the staff here at Schweitzer, one of the big questions, one of the key questions along the way is, 
who's your favorite baseball team? Now, one of the, the interesting answers among younger folks that we've discovered is that people kind of go, baseball, where's, where's baseball fit in, right? And so we've got to sort of uh, lead up and coach up and say, well, there's a baseball team, baseball's a great sport, and there's one team you need to know about. You need to know about the Cardinals. Um, I have a confession to make. Pastor Bob is a great Cardinals fan. But I was born and raised in Michigan. Uh, listened to the Tigers for many, many years. Fell asleep listening to the Tigers. Kind of am a Cardinals, or I'm, I'm not kind of. I am a Tigers fan deep down in my heart, right? Will always be a Tigers fan. In fact, they have a saying about that, always a Tiger. So when Pastor Bob asked me in an interview time, who's your team? And I said, uh, the Tigers. But I, I said, the Tigers, but let me remind you that the Tigers play in the American League. And everybody has to have two teams, right? You need to have an American League team and a National League team. So the, the, the Cardinals can be my National League team. He says, that's good enough for now. For now, that's good enough. So here we are. We're at the, uh, in my first year at Schweitzer, 2012, the Cardinals make the playoffs. They've made the playoffs every year that I've been here. It's an amazing team to watch. And Pastor Bob, is, uh, he acquires some tickets for us to go to a playoff game, and we go. Uh, Pastor Jim, Jonathan, Pastor Bob's son, and, and Pastor Bob and, and myself. And Pastor Bob says, if you're going to go, you've got to look the part, right? And so he pulls out, out of his trove of stuff, he's got hats and shirts, and he outfits me. So in this picture, I look like I'm a Cardinals fan. Anybody else in the stadium, I would look like I'm a Cardinals fan. But down deep underneath, I'm a Tigers fan. And the Tigers are in the playoffs, too, in this year. And they've been there, too. And I'm like, go Cardinals, go Tigers. Go Cardinals, go Tigers. But Pastor Bob is not like that. He's true all the way through. We've got another picture here of Pastor Bob that same night. And this is a, a guy who is pretending to be Keith Hernandez. For those of you who are longtime Cardinals fans, you, you'll remember Keith Hernandez. These guys are just having the time of their life. Because they bleed cardinals through and through. Pastor Bob's got all of the, the gear. I mean, and not just all the gear to outfit us, but he's got stats and he's got stories. Like if you have a question about how the cardinals did in, I don't know, 1967. I mean, Pastor Bob can tell you how they did in the 1940s. He can tell you. He's got stories. He's got the mythology. Pastor Bob is the true cardinals fan. There's no doubt about it. He doesn't have any tattoos that we know of. But if he did have a tattoo, I can tell you what he'd have. If you cut him open, he's going to bleed cardinals. He's a true deal. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the true vine. And when he says that, he intends for them to bring up and to remember all of the things that he's been sharing with them, the things that he's been showing them, the things he's been doing in their midst. He wants them to remember that there's been no, no falsehood within him. There's no secret, nothing hidden within Jesus. Jesus, right before this, said, everything that I've heard from the Father, I've shared with you. The disciples live in a world where there's lots of secrecy and there's shadows. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I've come to bring light. They live in a world where there are a lot of pronouncements and judgments 
Jesus has said to them, I haven't come to pronounce judgment, but I've come so that you might have life. They live in a world where people self-promote and self-protect. And Jesus, with a basin and some water and a towel, washed their feet. Jesus said, in a moment, in an instant, when you face a dilemma about who I am and who this place is, remember that I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. When you see me, when you've been around me, has not the life, the Spirit of God flowed into you? Has not the Spirit of God flowed into the places where we've gone and created life where there was death? I'm the true vine. And when I come, life comes with me. I'm the true vine. Jesus goes on to say, from that moment, he says, then remain in me. Hear the words as we continue on in John 15. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit without me. You can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, You'll be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit. And in this way, prove that you are my disciples. So Jesus says, you all are going to face a dilemma about who I am. But I'm going to invite you to remain in me, to know who I am, and then remain. You see, because he knows that when we often face dilemmas, when we face difficult situations, there's, there's two instincts that all of us sort of have that rise up to the occasion. And the instincts are fight or flight. Like when you're pressed, when you're hard-pressed, when, when you find yourself in a difficult spot, those two things tend to be um, almost like an instantaneous reaction. But Jesus provides a third way. He says, I want you to remain in the place where where you're at. As you watch this unfold, as you watch this event, as you watch me arrested, as you watch me flogged, as you watch me carry the cross, I want you to remain close to me. I want you to remain because I want to impart to you my spirit. And Jesus is talking about his word when he says, I've I've given you my word. He says, I'm giving you my spirit. And my word will be with you. And he says, I want you to pray. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a concert at JQH Arena, and the, one of the artists was Matt Marr. And he was talking about how oftentimes there are moments in our life when we're hard-pressed. There are times when, when we're facing difficulty. There's times when we face disappointment. And uh, he was thinking, too, because in the background of his mind, news had just come about those 21 Coptic Christians who had been martyred in Libya. And so he was talking with that context in the background. And he said, when we become people who are hard-pressed and we're facing some sort of dilemma, 
He said, we present lots of different pictures to the world around us. And he said, I wonder if the picture that Jesus wouldn't have us give to the world is a picture of prayer. I don't know if you've been able to see the pictures of those 21 Coptic martyrs or hear what they said on that beach next to the Mediterranean Sea. But they were on their knees. And the words that came from their lips, the last words that came from their lips, were, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. They found themselves in a spot where they couldn't take fight, or they couldn't take flight. They couldn't fight. We don't always, most of us will never be in a spot where those Coptic martyrs were. But a lot of us find ourselves in other places where we're hard-pressed. And sometimes we think that God has let us down. Or people around us who claim to love God have let us down. And some of the initial instincts that rise up within us are I either want to fight or I want to take flight. I want to get out of here. I want to find some other place, some other place that's safe, some other place where I don't have to deal with this stuff that I have to deal with in this moment. Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus knows what that's like if you're in that spot. Jesus says, remain in me. My words will remain in you. Take up the spot of prayer. Find his spirit giving life, even if everything around you doesn't look like it's bearing fruit. If you're wondering where is their life in this moment, take up a spot of prayer. Then Jesus says, remain in my love. So I'm the true vine. Remain in me and remain in my love. Can you put the verses up there for us? Thanks. As the Father has loved me too, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've said these things to you so that my joy will be in you, and your joy will be complete. The ancients, um, as they were reading this text of, of John 15, they thought about how what comes from the fruit of the vine is grapes. And they talked about the imagery of Jesus being one who would be nailed to a cross. And when he was hard-pressed on the cross, what would flow from him was, was the marvelous juice, the grape juice, or the wine. They talked about what comes from the, the grapes, the fruit, when it's pressed. And Jesus, as he says, remain in me, remain in my love, he's really saying, what comes from me, let it be something that comes from you. And so what's come from the Father, what's come from the Son, what's come from the Spirit is love unto you. And there's joy and there's fruit. So what's coming 
out in your life? What's being, uh, what's being pressed out of you? This past week, in this place, we, cel- we celebrated another graduation of, of Jobs for Life, of the second group that took place. And we have students, or we have participants, and then we have champions, and uh, really people who serve as mentors. One of the, I mean, there's lots of great things about Jobs for Life, but one of the conversations I was able to have with one of our champions earlier through the season went something like this. Um, as you see in the picture, we have, we have one guy student, and we have a bunch of, of female students. But we had a lot of, of guys champions who were, who were just there. They were present. And one of the champions, Doug Johnson, said to me one, one night, he said, you know, I come to these meetings, two meetings a week for two and a half hours, I come to these meetings not because I have to, because I don't, because I don't have to, I don't have a, I don't have a mentee, I don't have a student who, that I'm walking alongside of right now. But I come to these gatherings because I see what God is doing and I see what God is up to. And I want this, I, I want to be a part of this. Because as I come to this spot, I find that God is just bringing out good stuff in the life of those who are, are present here. And I want to be around it. And I want to contribute to it. Doug was just saying, I want the stuff that has come out of Jesus that is present within me to find a way to interact with people that I interact with all the time. Jobs for Life is just one great example of one of the things, the many things that are happening within the life of Schweitzer that you could give yourself to where the life and the fruit and the love of Christ could flow from you into, into somebody else, into this world that's around us. Because Jesus is really saying, if, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then what's in me and what's in you ought to find a way to come out. This morning, Jesus said, I'm the true vine. He said, remain in me. He said, remain in my love. If you're here, and you could be at a number of different spots in your walk with Christ, maybe you've never journeyed with Jesus, or maybe you've journeyed with Jesus for a while, but you have a question deep down as to where this road is really going. I'd encourage you to listen afresh and anew to the words of Jesus. I'd encourage you to pick up the pages of Scripture and read through the Gospels and see his story and listen to his story coming out in the lives of other people who are around you. I encourage you to find that Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and from me flows life and light and goodness and truth. And if you're on the way with Jesus, if you're journeying with Jesus, and yet your life in this moment, in this instance, knows difficulty. If you're struggling with some disappointment in your, in your heart, if you're really wrestling with God, and you think, God, I don't know if you've come through on your end of the bargain. 
hear Jesus speak a word into your heart that says, remain in me. It is never, it's never guaranteed to us to have an easy road. But here Jesus reach out to you and say, remain in me. Remain in me. And then remain in my love. What I've given to you, share with somebody else. Pour it out into the life of somebody else. Who around you needs to know that Jesus has light and love, that he welcomes them, that he's truth unto them? Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Remain in me. Amen.